Benton. Witten, happy Friday. Happy Friday, my friend. Hey, guess what? I forgot to do, but um, <laughs> hopefully people come along. Uh, I forgot to update the uh, the, <laughs> the title uh, of uh, of our live stream. It says, well, construction price problems last forever. Uh, well, Alison, hello, <laughs> Jeff. Oh, my God, they're back. What do you do? <laughs> we, we we can do this. Uh, we can do this on the spot, can't we? We can we can change uh, enough live. Uh, well, last time I did it, uh, it changed here, but it didn't change actually on the stream. So hopefully everyone's um, hopefully everyone. Uh, anyway, today's today's wealth, wine, and wisdom, folks, is all about the interest rates. But welcome back, Andy. We were just adding it up. It's been about two months. Bob, Jeff, Allison. Um, Welcome back. We're back by unpopular demand. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to another Wealth, Wine and Wisdom, folks. Great to have a few of you guys on today. We know we've been a bit MIA. I think we sort of run out of steam, run out of organisation, run out of bandwidth um, in the last month or two. Um, There's a big end to the financial year. It is the biggest end to the financial year we have ever had, bar none, ever. Full stop. And it, it was the good, the bad, the ugly, and some of the absolutely bloody magnificent. Like it, it was, it, it had a little bit of everything in it. It really was. It was, uh, it was quite incredible. Well, um, it, it's great to have um, you guys back with us. Alison, great to see you. Jeff, mate, uh, I know you've been chasing us for a few, uh, a few weeks. Uh, Bob, always great to have you on, on board, mate. Oh, from Sadlers. Sadlers. That's uh, that's uh, Wendy, Wendy Loretti from uh, from Sadlers Creek Winery. We uh, we had a few sponsored episodes by them at one point in time, Jace. We we did. Jules is sending us big kisses. Um, Chucky's on board as well. Great to see you guys. Uh, welcome to the uh, the relaunch of. Wealth, wine, and wisdom. Um, what's on the menu for you, mate? I, I did. I was telling Andy. Well, I think I, I s- said this a while ago, folks. I went on a bit of a wine tour. Listen to this, guys. This is a this is a perler. <laughs> I don't know. Stepping up his wine knowledge and oh. I'm trying to get better at the wine stuff. I'm even drinking from a glass. Uh, and Andy, I think this is the glass that you bought me. Didn't you? Didn't you buy me some yeah. glasses? So I thought I, I better step. I thought I better step stuff up. I went to the the Barossa Valley folks to try and buy some wine. Uh, unfortunately, uh, two glass of wine screamer later, um, I ended up buying $10,000 worth of wine when I thought I bought $1,000 worth of wine. Uh, and um, <laughs> I ended up, uh, I don't know how it happened, but I've ended up with um, something strange and weird called Alicante Boucher, which which tastes like a rosé. I don't it, and Fenton's not even impressed. He's turned his nose up already at me. But um, uh, no, anyway, it's, it's not the wine that I'm turning my nose up at. It's, it's, <laughs> so the, the, let's just let's, before we get into it, Witten's gone over and uh, he's 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 literally gone out and he's he's grabbed some incredible wine from the Barossa Valley, part of the Chairman's Club. Didn't realise he was doing it, but bought himself a wine fridge, stored some real cracker bottles. Right, and uh, and he's like, I just don't know about this one, Fenton. He's got it's a little bit light. It's a little bit like a rosé. Maybe I'm meant to drink it cold. And uh, I'm like, oh man, like really? So the quality has gone up. 
but it's baby steps. So yeah. we, we're going to get there. Uh, thanks, that. mate. I appreciate your mentoring and coaching, all right? <laughs> Please don't call me that. <laughs> uh, well, folks, you guys know the drill. Well, some of you do anyway. If there's anybody new, um, give us a shout-out in the chat. Great to have you guys on board. bunch of you jumping on right now. Andy and I, Wealth, One and Wisdom, we started this a while ago uh, to serve our collective communities. Andy in the small business uh, small to medium business, now getting into the larger businesses uh, and um, advice world, uh, myself in the world of property investing, combining our two knowledges and support for those communities and um, and uh, enjoying a Friday wine and debriefing the week. Uh, started COVID-ish times, uh, continued for a while, been sporadic of late, but uh, it's time to kick off and get back into it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, make it happen. Uh, we've got a few people in the house, which is good. John O'Rolly, um, good oh. to see you. <laughs> the rollers rolling by. Welcome, John. Rolling by. Fantastic. And I think the theme of this um, wealth, wine, and wisdom, Andy, folks, is is about interest rates. It's it's on the tip of everybody's tongue. So Andy and I have got a few things that we want to go through with you guys today. So make sure you stick around, um, tag anyone who needs to hear about what's going on, and um, and uh, getting the getting their heads around interest rates. Really, at the end of the day, yeah. everyone um, so so important. Look, I almost think in some ways, Jace. I think we left everyone alone as the world started to fall apart. Um, just to see whether what we'd been saying over the last two years had landed, and whether everyone was holding their sanity uh, through. <laughs> What, what could only be uh, what we've already labelled as clickbait journalism at its best, and yes. it is rife right about now. I've got a Perler example for you later on. But, uh, but hopefully all of you guys after the last couple of years of watching, and for those of you who are new, welcome, but hopefully you've sort of realised that uh, you turn off the channel when these, these Muppets start talking their, their clickbait gibberish and, uh, and start the fear-mongering. Uh, and you just get on with business and you, you start to look for the truth and you ask where's the truth in that. And uh, so hopefully you've done that. Uh, it wasn't necessarily our intention to do that, but hopefully that's the result. But it, uh, it has been a big end of the financial year for, for both of us as well and, and hopefully it's been a, a good one for all of you guys out there. But uh, I'm looking forward to getting stuck into some of the BS that's in and around and just cutting through the scare mongering and, and getting down to the brass tacks of what's actually really going on what's happening with interest rates, where are they likely to be, what does it all mean, Jace? How does it uh, flow on? Yep, yep, yep. Should we be running for the hills, Andy, and selling everything and buying a bunker in the hills? Or, um, you know, oh, mate, this- well, I read The Age the other day and, and I started to pour a bloody deep concrete shelter in the back paddock <laughs> after reading that. We've got four excavators uh, getting a nice, nice little uh, end-of-world scenario on the farm ready based off uh, what I was reading there, mate. Jesus, unbelievable. There you go. Well, mate, everyone's very happy to see you survive Rona as well. So some shout-outs to oh, you for that one. <laughs> thank you, team. Wow. I, I'm, I'm, look, I don't, I don't mean to take, take the mickey too much. It was horrible. It was nasty, the old spicy cough, and I've still got it. I'll try and mute whenever it comes through. And <clears throat> the voice, the dulcet tones aren't quite where they are. They're a little bit more mid than, uh, than, than the baritone that I normally am. <laughs> but uh, I must admit, I, I sort of had it and I thought, after how? it because you kind of there's this anticipation getting it and after i you know sort of 
came through the journey of the horror that what what, what it was, I kind of thought that is what caused billions of dollars, trillions of dollars to be stimulated and shut down borders. And it's kind of like I was almost a little bit disappointed. I was like, I actually expected more. I didn't want more. <laughs> I didn't want more. It was very, very nasty. And I, and I don't mean to undermine, you know, those people who have really suffered from it. But personally, I was expecting to really be broken to bits for, for, for multiple weeks. And, you know, luckily enough, I, I wasn't one of the people who really got it back. But uh, it do, it did leave me wondering, going, well, oh, you know, what what what's this all about? You know, what um, yeah, it, it, I just thought it would have been more severe, given the fact that it basically stopped the world for two years. Well, mate, we're all glad you you got through it. Um, and um, Jono's um, Jono's. What <laughs> what's that one? Uh, uh, and Jono's, Jono's happy that you've uh, you've flashed up a little bit this afternoon. Oh, um, that's it. I knew somebody was going to comment on this. I knew it. <laughs> Get that's it off. It. Uh, I, I, thought, I can't raise the standards. It's not on brand, is it, Jono? <laughs> so. uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, well, mate, um, you know, folks, most of you know the drill when it comes to the show, Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. We drink some wine, hopefully not too much, Uh we get a chance to have a, uh, a conversation or a bit of feedback, a bit of a chat about what's in the news. What's in the news right now, the last month or so, it's been all about interest rates and the end of the world, which is uh, not going to happen. But, um, you know, the media doesn't, uh, doesn't like to report fact. They like to report, um, uh, you know, Fucking hot air and sunshine. But yeah. <laughs> That's what media is at the moment. It's mass yeah. fiction. Well, that's exactly it. The, you know, when the entertainment is now about um, uh, about true life, and um, um, the media or the news is about fiction. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> so we'll do a bit of what's in the news. Um, we'd love to hear your questions, folks. If you've got any questions, whack them in the chat. Um, we haven't been together for a little while, so make sure. You let us know what's on your mind, and uh, today, as you can see down the down the bottom, we've got a bit of a theme for wealth, wine, and wisdom today, dedicated to interest rates. Now, I don't know, did I spell FX right, Andy? FX, FX. Probably I always forget right. whether it's an A or an E. Like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so can someone tell me whether I got it right? And even the there, is it there as in a person, or there as in? Anyway, hopefully, I spelled it right. But you know what we're trying to say. <laughs> Uh, we need a we need a we need a uh, producer on so we can uh, look a bit sharper, Andy. Um, uh, pre- preferably a non-dyslexic one, yeah. Well, that's someone who can spell. Uh, that, that'd be cool. And maybe a bit later, we might share a, a few things about things you should know. So great to have you guys on today. And Andy, I know you caught up with someone um, uh, very smart in your your neck of the woods the other day, and. Um, you guys, uh, you guys talked about uh, a few really highbrow, high-level things, and you were going to bring it today. So I might get you to lead off with your stuff to really start the conversation, folks. Today, we're going to dedicate the next forty-five minutes to a conversation about interest rates and what they mean potentially to our two communities, and um, you know what we think the future might hold, short-term, long-term, uh, and have we seen it before? So. Um, It's kind of where we're at. So make sure you put your questions in the chat, but I'm going to chuck it over to you, brother, and uh, get you to kick off this evening's one. Yeah, let's uh, do it. 
and 100%, we haven't been here for a little while. So if there is anybody that you think uh, has been a little bit edgy or a little bit punch drunk from, from the news or something <laughs> to that effect, just tag them in. Put their name in there, tag yeah. them in so they can come and have a listen to this conversation, whether it's tonight or tomorrow or, or listening to the podcast uh, because I, I'm I, – well, this is my theme. Uh, let's, have, for, let's have a yeah. look at what's going on. Fenton. So – Andy Fenton's quote, and it's kind of around this. It's uh, it's who not to trust, right at the moment. And uh, so let, let's let's have a little bit about look at this. And I, I I've got a lot to go into interest rates later on in in what you should know. But I just want to have a little bit of a look back over history. We called BS a little while ago on this one, but anyway. Yeah. Um. So look at this. This was third uh, of February, twenty twenty. Uh, twenty sorry, twenty twenty two. RBA hints no rate rises before twenty twenty three. Well, they hinted to that, and then they said unequivocally, no rate rises until 2024. <laughs> um, so people are rightly going in, in Australia going, well, hang on, what's going on? They, they, they literally came out and said no interest rate rises until 2024. So what's changed? It must be so bad for them to take such a, a polar opposite position. But have a look at this. Um, Low admits embarrassing error on 2024. Uh, rate rises, which is uh, which is sitting here. <laughs> the part I love about this, Jace, listen to this: the Reserve Bank of Australia, Governor Philip Lowe, has admitted that the central bank's pandemic guidance that interest rates would not rise until at least 2024 was an embarrassing error and should uh, and it should have done better. Dr. Lowe said that uh, the internal RBA review of its so-called forward guidance during the pandemic. Uh, would be conducted and the findings later made this year. But thankfully, thankfully, we were wrong. Thankfully. <laughs> Fuck me. Uh, Dr. Lowe said, after lifting interest rates on Tuesday from emergency 0.1% to 0.35% and signalling more rate rises were coming, thankfully, we were wrong. Uh, sorry, mate, I don't, I don't concur. I don't, I'm not thankful <laughs> for it whatsoever. Um, and then we have people like... I. Parasite's a strong word, isn't it, mate? <laughs> Get in there, Fenton. It's a strong <laughs> word. But, mate, I, I'm just – so, yes, like I'm going to chat a little bit later on about the RBA's early call, so I, I'm leaving this as a bit of an open loop. Yes. But this just pissed me off. And, like, let's have a, a big look here, folks. Whenever you see newspaper articles and whenever you see this opinion piece, and this is in the Fin Review, and I did see one of your posts recently, Jason, where you actually grilled someone in the Fin Review saying yep. you Muppets should know better than to print this rubbish, and <laughs> I liked it and supported it. But, <laughs> mate, listen to this, and I, I'm just, I'm just, this is why, people, this is why you just, you have to fact check. Check everything because listen to this BS, and it's not even opinion. It's just, it's misleading and it's wrong. And Christopher Joyce, you, sh- you should know better. Like, listen to this, RB- the, how the RBA duped uh, Aussie households. Martin Place risks destroying economic prosperity with some of the most aggressive rate hikes in the world. Some of the most aggressive rate hikes in the world, Jason. Do you think I've gone and tested whether that's actually true? Well, uh, you might, Andy, but most people won't, right? So, yeah, no, I think that buddy, <laughs> this is just creative license to print garbage. Ah, oh, it's um, well, it's another way of saying they were lying or full of shit. But anyway, keep going. 
So let's let's just let's just go to the facts, shall we? Let's just go to the facts. All right. So opinion piece. I'm just going to go not opinion. We'll call it either BS for bullshit or lies. One of the two. Like which whichever. And I'm not going to call him a lie, but it's just misleading. Check this out. All right. So this is this is uh, this is the facts. Let's have a look at the facts. All right. So. Uh, macro bonds. This is from. Thank you very much, team, uh, for putting this together. It wasn't for us, but uh, uh, Jason's head in the way uh, of that. But I just wanted to give them credit for the uh, for the graph. This is the cash rate uh, of all of the, the kind of major major places in Australia. Um, I'll just give them a little bit of a squeeze a little bit later. So there we go. Out there, there we go. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, Jace. Um, so check this out. So uh, Joyce. Right or wrong, the most aggressive rate cuts in the world. Um, so I'm, I would think that if you're going to compare us to the rest of the world, you might compare us to the United Kingdom, uh, maybe the US, um, maybe even New Zealand, our neighbours across the ditch. Would you think that would be a fair assumption? Is that Well, uh, I mean, Andy, you know, I reckon I didn't even go to uni for a very long. I went for one year and then thought better of it. But, you know, what I did know is when I was writing a, uh, an essay for university, uh, the first thing you do is you put um, a list of the sources you uh, you claim to have read uh, and uh, say, oh, like mate, fact check. Yeah. Mate, I, I should go to the bottom of that column, that opinion piece, <laughs> and, and check the facts because uh, maybe I'm looking at the wrong statistics. But, um, uh, but mate, fair, fair to say the United States say. here yeah. would be a good comparison if we're going to make such aggressive comments like the most aggressive rate cuts in the world, right? Uh, New Zealand, a good comparison because they're just across the ditch from us, right? Yeah. And the United Kingdom, well, we were founded by them, really. So probably a fair comparison. Um, Be good to yeah. check in, yeah. So let's have a look. Let's see. Where, where do you reckon, everybody, where do you reckon Australia ended up out of the four that are on here? Do you reckon we were the most aggressive being number one place? the second most aggressive, the third most, or do you think we were actually the least aggressive? I'd love to know your thoughts. Whack it in the <laughs> well, chat. I, Andy, I think you're giving it away. It's on the chart, isn't it? It looks yeah, like it we're is, the least. <laughs> some people may not have looked at it so far. So let's have a look at this. We And, Jace, you and I spoke about this uh, in a Wealth, Wine and Wisdom uh, a couple of months ago. Right? The most aggressive rate rises actually in, in, in some of the Western world, the more aggressive rate rises. Let's just say more aggressive because there's lots of it going on. Yeah. Right, so one of the more aggressive manoeuvres, and we called it a while back, was New Zealand that rose it, right? Rose their rates very much out of line with the rest of the world. They totally. they started. Yep. They were one of the first. Yeah, Jeanette, go Australia, go Australia, <laughs> winners. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're the winners of being the least aggressive. Um, so you know, so let's have a look. New Zealand, they mate, they they were aggressive. They were the most aggressive based on these four. Right, so then we go. Okay, well, <clears throat> let's have a look at United Kingdom. They've gone through a little bit more pain than us, right? They were they were they were reasonably aggressive, right? Reasonably aggressive in comparison to New Zealand that went early and went quite hard and still going. Um, and then we've got uh, then we've got uh, the United States, right? Um, King Jong Un no longer influences the United States because Trump's <laughs> not in power. But United States up to 1%. And look at them. They're all more aggressive than this is us, Jace. This is us down here. Crikey. 
This is us down here. We've how just started. Like, how, how does the rest of the world fit? Well, there you go. It doesn't, does it? That's the point. And and but this this is just a classic example uh, of of this this kind of BS headlines that come around. I'm going to say it again because when I read this, I was furious. Martin Place risks destroying economic prosperity with some of the most aggressive rate increases in the world. Um, are based on forecasts, not worth the paper that they're written on. Now, whether that second part, I'm, I'm, I'm neither here nor there. I've got a few opinions of my own on that, and mine, <laughs> I think it's smattered with a little bit more fact. But anyway, so, ladies and gentlemen, another example about just be careful what you read because it's mostly BS. So we've added another list of persons. So who not to trust, Jason? Uh, well, number one is politicians. Like, they're always there, uh, the especially this bloke over here, Jeepers Creepers. Um, uh, famous economists are at our number two list of who not to trust. Uh, quick quick bit of trivia for you, Jace. What what do all of these people have in common, these famous economists? I don't know. They got it wrong and still kept their jobs? Is that, is that, is that <laughs> they, they almost never got it right, but they all kept their jobs. <laughs> oh, that's – yeah, yeah. We've – We've got now the, uh, the, the, the Federal Reserves of the world, so don't trust the central banks because they can change their mind like the wind. Uh, and we've got journalists up here, free all journalists. I reckon you should lock the bastards back up personally. Um, <laughs> that's just on my opinion because here's the reality behind it. And I know I'm making a bit of light behind it, but people are scared based on this. We've, we've had clients who are going, oh, well, we should bunker down. We should bunker Mate. down. The world's ending. And I mean, we've, we seen had, we've had two years of bombardment of, you know, lots of uncertainty, and now we get this rhetoric. You know, it, 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 it is, uh, I mean, you know, we've had clients, you know, my clients, some of my clients who've said, oh, we're going to sell everything, you know, um, which is absolute lunacy. They've done well, you know, and thankfully we're, we're able to sort of cut that thinking off at the past. But, you know, you know, a respected, you know, if, if we were to say, all right, list, the newspapers, list the media organisations that, you know, okay, from absolute trash, almost like a, you know, a magazine, not a newspaper, to, you know, respected authorities. And, you, and you'd go, and I used to say, listen, Fin Review was great. I loved it, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Me too. Mate, oh. it's very sad. Yeah. I'm glad I went to month-by-month month subscription with them because it's, it's – and you know why – here's – Here's the, uh, my opinion, right? It's based on no fact whatsoever, but I reckon this is what's happening. Uh, I reckon they're losing the clickbait battle, and so what happens? You can't beat them, join them. So then yeah. you you start creating sens- sensationalistic shit. And I think it was a few wine and wisdoms ago where you know I made the comment that it's astounding how many opinion articles that we're now seeing in the Fin Review and across the board. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't help journalism, not one. And and here's the thing: is it doesn't help you, because you will look as as human beings, we will look for confirmation bias. So if you've made a big investment decision, and this happens, and you're not confident with investing, then you're probably going to be looking for reasons why not to, right? Because you haven't done it previously, so you're going to be looking for reasons why not to, and you're going to find tens of thousands of them when you go into. Uh, into the markets, yeah. Uh, into the into the newspapers, and the problem is you, you've really got to balance this out. And and I got plenty of stuff which we'll go into later on interest rates and where they're going, what it means for for markets, and 
um, and the things that people should be looking for. But um, you've got to be really, really careful about what you digest. And and now I'm I'm down to Bloomberg, uh, mate. I, I don't have too many other sources that I, I trust these days. Well, mate, you and me both, and and you and I like to do some more research based on data from the source. To be honest, and you know, you know, create our own. Um, understanding of what that data might mean to us, right? As as investors, as business owners, um, as whatever we're going to be doing, because if it's seen through the lens of, let's say, a media outlet that is trying to get the attention of the mass population to then end up with readers and subscribers, it's going to come with their bent, their version, their tint on it. Mm. Um, and, um, and certainly, certainly, you know, uh, I, you know, the, the person who writes the real estate articles at the Fin Review, I know where she actually started, uh, and she's certainly not. Just be careful. Let's not get sued here, Jason. No, no. But, you know, <laughs> the, the background of, of somebody um, is in an industry but not with experience when it comes to actually being an investor, right? So, you know. If you're going to take investment advice, well, check out what what that person is actually giving you advice on. Yes. Um, is it on legislation? Because that's not an investment advice. Is it on the actual outcome or the investment or the behaviour? Whatever it is. So it's a it's, really it's, conversation. It's so, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because you, I, I think that almost it, when you have that sort of it, media attention, it should almost be, uh, Mr. Joyce, uh, $15 million worth of investment assets, uh, you know, uh, $4.2 million in superannuation, uh, and then his opinion piece underneath it. So at least there's some collateral behind it. But I think that a lot of the times, and this is my opinion, is that it's uh, uh, Joe Bloggs, uh, $15 in the bank, trying to find how to pay the credit card down and has a lot to say about investing. Mate, and, uh, you, you're, de- you're dead right because at the end of the day, uh, you have to put your or you're meant to put your, you know, uh, I don't know what whatever it is, professor, you know, you know, diploma in, um, you know, advanced, you know, degree in whatever, you know, all of those sorts of things. So it's a really interesting conversation, which uh, which I think is important for most of us. Uh, and I think a lot of the younger people, Andy, to be honest, uh, have shied away from the mainstream media and, and are out in kind of the Wild West um, when it comes to the Mate, quality. They're joining of- dots. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're joining dots. <laughs> they're, they're collecting dots, not joining they're dots. Collecting um, <laughs> dots and then, and then joining a few of them together sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, mate, no, that's great. And, you know, really, like, folks, for, for all of us, um, you know, we got to keep an eye on things. What's going on? Let you know. Let me do a little kickoff for for on my neck of the the woods. Um, let me put myself down there. I think if we get you, we get you in there, Andy. Let's see, up the other way. I'll put oh, myself at the top. There we go. Over the top of you. There you go. You know what's in the news when it comes to the world of real estate? Um, you know, here's what's going on. You know, I could I could put twenty five different headlines and articles out and about Australian prices have declined for the first, you know, and second month in a row. You know, Andy, you and I have, have chatted about this. I, I I see the tracking of real estate prices 
declining or increasing uh, like an uh, and I'll, I'll just say it a, a stupid and pointless metric real estate is not a fast vehicle it certainly has it certainly doesn't translate into monthly or daily transaction volumes and um, like the share market can it really does not if the property price if the property market's slowing down well less properties go to market um, if the interest rates go up then less people would sell it anyway like it none of it makes sense in this way so folks again you know tracking property prices and and things on a monthly occurrence is actually uh, it's it's not the same information to analyze when as it comes to the share market the volume's not there the behavior is vastly different vastly well, different well know? let's let's ask the question jace what what and this is a what time so put this in the chat if you if you know the answer to this what timeline do you think shares and property are valued on what timeline do you think shares and property are valued on do you think they're valued on one year into the future? Because ultimately buying something now means that you expect it to go up or down in value. <clears throat> so the valuation, what do you think the driver is? Do you think it's one year? Do you think it's 90 days in the share market? Do you think it's a week? Do you think it's the headline? Do you think it's five years? Do you think it's 10 years? Do you think it's 20 years? What I'd be interested to know uh, what you think, and if you think it's different from for property and shares, right, P, 10 years or whatever, right, shares five minutes. or um, I'd be interested to know what everyone's thoughts are on it. Whack, get busy typing. Give us some feedback. Let Put us know what timeline well, you think. Well, well let, me, let me try and maybe interpret what you're asking, Andy, because I think I know what you're asking. If you were to buy a property, what expectation of capital in- increase time frame would you, would you think? And then, then share prices, what expectation of performance for a share price is that what you're asking? Like, so what's the market expect movements for shares, and what's the market expect movement for property? Yeah, yeah. Basically, yep. when you when you're buying something, you know what what's the valuation driven yep. by? Yep. And it's one of the factors is time. We've got uh, someone saying here ten year bond rates. That's interesting. I'm sure Andy might have something on that a bit later. Um, we go uh, fifteen years. Um, uh, like I'm a, I, I like that one for property for me. Uh, Ten years, that's not bad, Jeff. That's yep. Um, Bob saying one year, maybe one year on shares, Andy. Like okay, I, I'm expecting a twenty percent rise in my shares over one year, etc. Uh, Jeanette's going ten years, so okay. certainly there's some, some long term in there. We we won't answer it right now. We'll let a few more of you chime in. Uh, but we'll answer it in the next 10 or 15 minutes when we get hey, into what you should yeah, know. Don't go away, folks. We'll tell you the answer just before the end of the show so you stay for the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and we got here, um, property cycle, 10 years. Um, you can trade in 24 hours, um, you know, Alison sort of says, you know, which is true. I, I think you can trade in like a really, you know, short period of time. You know, we've got some people saying, hey, it doesn't property double every double in value every 12 years. Mm. Marcus, it's it's about a 13 to 15 year cycle historically. So that's that that has been the case. A lot of people have huh. a lot of people said every seven to ten years, which is complete rubbish. Um, we've got a few people saying, okay, 
Julie's taking a five-year outlook on property. Okay. Isn't this interesting? This is great feedback. This is really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Well, listen, folks, um, you know, don't look at the house, the property house price in Australia uh, on a monthly basis. It's dumb. It's stupid. Uh, And to be honest, who cares if it, you know, on average didn't go up this month? In the last bloody 24 months, it's gone up 37%. Like, you know, there was... $1.1 $1.1 trillion worth of real estate value added to the property market. <laughs> Trillion dollars. Trillion dollars. Yep. Added to the property market in the last six months of 2021. Um, so, you know, if a couple of bucks comes off the, comes off the heat of that, uh, as the markets often overprice themselves, overvalue because of momentum and the FOMO of missing out, uh, and they find a little bit of sensibility, that's not going to end the world. And then there's this talk about interest rates, Andy. <clears throat> right now, variable, interest only, fixed, whatever it might be. You know, we're on our way to most likely between 4 and 5% interest rates for residential real estate. Um, and what does that mean for us in the world of residential real estate? I'm sure Andy's got a few slides he's going to show a little bit later on because um, I did get a sneak peek of a few of them um, uh, a bit earlier on when it comes to the world of real estate. So that's what's in the news, mate. Um, I've got a few other things you should know for a bit later on, but uh, what do you got in the the wings right now? Well, mate, it's it's all interest rates as, uh, as we <laughs> talked about. And <clears throat> the only interest rate that everyone's talking about right now is uh, the Reserve Bank cash rate. Yep. So let's have a little bit of a conversation about the reserve bank cash rate and why it is not necessarily the, the rate that you want to be using as predictive measures. Because right. people get a bit sort of like, well, often if we don't know what's going on, we think it's our home loan that might kick on, but you know, the reserve bank cash rate is not our home loan rate, which is good. Well, here's the thing: is that who who should we not trust, Jason? <laughs> nobody. We can trust nobody. The politicians, politicians, <laughs> uh, journalists, yep, economists, and uh, central banks. The central right, bank. We, we, yeah, we've five, that. We, we, don't, we can make a model on that, Andy. I think that's. I actually think we're onto something. <laughs> I, I, mate, we're we're there. We just need one more Muppet to join it, and then we've got the five. We've got. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a reason why I say that tongue-in-cheek. We've got to listen to them. But <clears throat> the reality is they've got an incredible track record of getting it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> overreacting, acting too late yeah. or acting too soon and overreacting. And it's a hard science. So I, I sort of say tongue-in-cheek, uh, you know, it's a hard job. I wouldn't want it. No, um, no I wouldn't want it either. Jesus. Probably, I reckon you'd do it better, to be fair, though, Jason. Well, well I reckon we would, especially <laughs> after a wine or two. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so the cash rate, so here's a question. If anybody knows, there's, uh, there's, there's a, there's a oh, geez, I'll, I'll give a 60-minute discovery session with me on this one if you get this one right. Oh, quick, get um, on this, folks. Get on this. What's, what's the difference between uh, the cash rate and all of the other interest rate measures? What's the one key difference between the cash rate and all of the other interest rate measures like 90-day bank bill, treasury, 
10 years, five years, all that sort of stuff. You've got about three more seconds to type it in, otherwise we're done <laughs> uh, because I want to get on and want to tell you. Uh, get on, tell us, Andy, tell us, Andy. It's the only one that is set. It's the only one that is set by someone. Say that again. Okay. It's the right. only rate that is set by someone. So somebody so, can come in and influence, not influence even. Somebody comes in and goes, all right, we're raising the cash rate. Got you. So it's all the only the others, one that a, that a human sets. Correct. Correct. Right. Now, there are other interest rates in the world where people do, but I went to the 10-year bond. I went for the five-year bonds, and so I was being quite specific about what so I was saying. So knock-on effect. Right. So this is the only one that is set, and it's set by people who have got an incredible uh, history of overreacting, underreacting, and getting it wrong. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, so, well, when you say it that way, <laughs> so doesn't it, it makes no sense no. to react so aggressively to it, right? So, so this is the Reserve Bank trying to react against inflation going up. And let's face it, Jace, there is a huge amount of inflation that is transitory right now, <laughs> which is food, which is energy, and and some of these decisions that have been very difficult for the, for the Reserve Bank to make have been made based on. Uh, COVID and then, right? COVID and then Ukraine, right? And now that's that's a bit of a double whammy, right? But when I say transitory, I mean cost increase in energy, in wheat, in food, short-term increases. So where do you look if you are an investor that wants to kind of go, well, shit, okay, short-term interest rates are rising and that, that's going to hit my pocket now. But that's not the question you should be asking yourself. You should be planning for what's happening in 12 months' time, what's happening in three years' time, what's happening in five years' time. Because let's face it, if you've, if you've bought an investment property right now and a 1% interest rate rise means that you have to sell and you're going to lose your shorts, then you probably shouldn't have bought the property. And I think you'll probably agree with me on that. Shouldn't have bought it in the first place. And I'm, I'm going to show something in a minute that, that shows that most people, yeah, I've got, yeah, good. I like that, Andy. You shouldn't have bought it in the first place. I don't even know how you did buy it in the first place, but let's 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 get now, to the Now, the same bit. thing goes to stocks, right? Yep. The same thing goes to stocks. And remember I asked the question about how long, what when you value something today, what's your measure of value on that? Because you're going, over a period of time, I want to make some money on this. So my question to you is, over what period of time, how much money do you want to make? Right, that's well, the question. Well, it's an interesting really. one, you know, because Alison here said, you know, bought a property, went up, you know, based on, you know, an online desktop valuation, you know, at a period of time, you know, goes from 990 to 850. You know, yeah, it, and it's almost like, again, it's kind of like a, it's an individual um, answer, Andy. It, it is, but how they're priced is very consistent. Yes. And they're priced off longer periods. So let's have a look at this is a, a, a the 90 day bank bill rate is what businesses quite often operate on. And I'm not going to get into the technical side of this because you can see here how this yield, right? So this is 90 day money. If you want to invest money in 90 days at very, very high security, this is where you go to do it. And you can see that it dropped and then it just flattened out. Now, I'm not going to go into the reasons why because it's quite complicated, but it's called quantitative easing. It's called manipulation by the Reserve Bank and the government effectively to keep the, the, the prices low in this market. So the first one, so the first and, and market. it's artificial, right, Andy? It's, it's like artificial. an artificial. Yep, yep. 
it's not market forces. It's like artificial. We're gonna, you know, either stop something or increase well, something. If you want to, if you want to sell more stuff into the market, Jace, what generally happens, right? Like if you flood the market with something, well, people will generally pay less for it. Pay less for it. Yep. Right. So, or on the opposite side, if you're trying to borrow more money in the market, then people are going to go. You're getting more and more risky, right? So, the interest rate should go up. But if you're buying back bonds, which is what the the the, the government, uh, or sorry, the Reserve Bank have been doing for a long period of time, if you're buying those bonds back, it suppresses the interest rate for the government to then lend money still at a lower rate. I'm not oh, going right. to go into any more of that yep. because it'll blow people's heads up. But right, so we'll just do a little quick, quick answer to a question we asked before. Deb, Deb Jensen, our absolute legend here. Deb, can you be our um, producer? You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still don't I get it, Jace. Were we right or wrong? Like, <laughs> well, uh, can't answer I, the question with a question. total guess, and I think I was right. So uh, a result <laughs> is for effect, and affect is for an action. Thanks, Deb. You're Thank a legend. You, <laughs> learning on the spot yep. so so this is but the 90 day bank bill is how is how companies uh quite often have debt right but so your business jace if you wanted to go out and buy, borrow money at a commercial rate it's quite often 90 day bank bill rate plus a percentage based yep. on your risk any market. commercial loan is based on a 90 bill bank rate yeah yeah so it's been suppressed and now it's launched but are we investing for 90 days jace no we aren't no no so we were talking about this going on for a little while. So you can see this suppression happening here, right? Uh, but this is now the three-year government bond rate. And the three-year government bond rate is set by market forces, which basically means it's the market intuiting where the future is going to be in three years' time, and it's pricing in the expectations. And what we can see here, and there's multiple reasons for this price increase, and this is 4% just over here, right? So this is saying that... In three years' time, they believe that interest rates are going to be just short of 4% or the cash rate's going to be just short of 4%, right? <clears throat> but look at where it's gone now. It's actually dropped. Now, there's a fair bit of volatility in that, but that's a reasonable drop that it's, that's happened. And my, my belief on this is that we're seeing that there's a the transitory inflation of Ukraine, oil, power, food, these sorts of things are now starting to, to normalise a little bit. And in three years' time, there's a belief that COVID, mobilisation of ports, shipping channels, all of these things are going to normalise. And in three years' time, potentially, the reason why things are more expensive isn't because uh, the, of the fact that you can't get it and there's lots of people wanting it, right? It, it'll probably normalise because all of a sudden, Commerce will start to happen properly. Ships will start travelling without having to worry about COVID and being stopped and all of these sorts of things. So trade will normalise and then all of a sudden that inflationary aspect decreases. Yeah. Right? right? Because normally the world uh, inflation is based off uh, demand-based inflation. Right? True underlying is, demand, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. There's, there's a lot of demand. This time it's actually the supply has been choked or stopped and so we can't get it. And the reserve the demand bank- really hasn't grown like long term or like you know maybe oh. short term issues. But yeah, the demand hasn't grown, but the supply has shrunk. Yeah, and stopped. Yeah, yeah. In some cases, literally stopped. And, and so, do, do you think that sort of market pricing and and kind of like you know 
that aggressive kind of going towards 4%, the market's saying, hey, if if something doesn't get sorted soon, the delay would mean it would have to be more aggressive interest rate rises if the action was delayed. You know, So if the RBA said, oh, you know what, we'll wait another six months to see what happened, you think the market would keep pricing it because they know the kind of the the parameters, I don't know if they're parameters, that, that you'd have to kind of overdo to bring it under control. Well, growth stocks and, and things that we'd be considered to be growth assets would continue to skyrocket, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But the, the reality is the Reserve Bank is targeting inflation, which is not stock prices, right? It is more mm. housing prices and, yeah. and the, the price of milk and the price of petrol. But the reason why the price of milk and petrol are higher isn't because of normal market forces. It's because of supply chain disruptions. So raising interest rates doesn't actually help people stop buying petrol. It doesn't. It causes pain for people who have to buy the petrol and have and to uh, buy the milk. And arguably, <laughs> arguably the bloody government is to blame for the property price sharpness in the last two years anyway. Oh, because of the overstimulation of, I mean, I'm a property guy, but I'm thinking, stop throwing money at my marketplace. You're ruining the actual normalcy of it. Like, piss <laughs> off. Taste, <laughs> but don't touch. You, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, yeah. they go, well, we, w- we want to stop the property market from becoming unaffordable. And then they go, well, well here's some more money to go and buy property. Oh, it's like, man. hang on. Anyway, that, that's a whole different bloody but, argument there, right? Given away $60,000 of free cash per property purchaser, like tell me that that doesn't then just artificially blow the market up. Anyway, we, we'll, we want we'll to make, make property more affordable for your average person, so we're going to subsidise it so everyone can buy property at a higher value. Like, wait, what? Oh, what? Yeah, anyway. Oh, mate, funny. No. That's one of the reasons why we don't trust politicians. (laughs) (laughs) So our three-year government bond rate is dropping. And here's the thing. Our five- and ten-year government bonds are all dropping as well. Mm. Right? So what what this means is that the market, and the market is generally a lot smarter than any individual, right? The market tends to overreact, right? Right? But it, it and 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 that's fine, right? It overreacts in in the now based on ten years into the future. So the the answer. So those of you who said that shares are basically priced on the expectation of ten years into the future because what they're doing is they're going. You're going to pay now today, uh, right? Today, what are you willing to pay for a, a piece of property, land, a yep. share? given the fact that you're going to hold that over the next 10 years and the, the, the rate, if you just stuck it in a government bond, in 10 years' time is going to be, or in three to, to 10 years' time, is going to be 4%, right? So if you buy the property for, for too much, right, it means, so paying too much for that property, it means you're paying above and beyond what we call the discount rate. So you can invest... Now, you can go out and invest for 10 years and you can get a 3.5% 10-year guaranteed rate of return, right? So if you can get that now, that means that, you know, potentially that property or that share that you were going to buy yesterday, 
you're going to want that to give you a higher level of performance based on if interest rates are at zero. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I mean, is it <clears throat> is it part of like, okay, the performance that I need is, you know, the 10-year bond rate plus a minimum of, of inflation. You know, we've talked about that before with, with our folks. It's like, you know, inflation kind of average, you know, 20 years, three, three and a half percent, you know, you want to price that into your overall return to just make sure you're staying at least, you know, two, four, five percent above inflation plus some other benefits, you know? So, you know, is is that what is that what you're trying to say there? It's like, you know, okay, the bond rate, you know, you've got to be beating it, or why would you risk it? Well, let me ask this is a let's answer a question with a question. So if I could invest money right now, a million dollars at the government bond rate at 10% per annum. Would you invest in any of the properties on the market right now based on current valuations or would you put the money in the 10-year bond? Well, if I had cash, then, you know, 10-year bond. If you had significant cash, it'd be be a no-brainer. Well, yeah, you would every day of the week, right? But if that rate is at 0.3%, where are you going to invest your money? Are you going to invest that million bucks in property or are you going to invest it in bonds? Well, at the end of the day, um, even cash, so you've got to have enough cash to buy a piece of real estate, so it's got to be a million bucks. So, you know, the, the, the idea would be, you know, far better in real estate than it would be in bonds at that point, you know? So what's, if, if you don't what's, include leverage. What's, what's better be even without leverage? What's changed? The only thing that's changed is the interest rate on the 10-year bond. And so if the interest rate is 1%. Uh, I think I'm with Allison. We should put 10K into wine, um, Andy. <laughs> well, funny you should say that. Uh, the, the Fenton Wine Fund uh, coming soon. Uh, oh, it's, uh, F, FWF. Yeah, FWF. Um, but, uh, but anyway, long story short is that if interest rates were going to keep going up in perpetuity, like or uh, if we expected that the 10-year bond rate in 10 years' time we're going to be borrowing money at 20%, right? The world would be a very different place right now, right? As yeah. in property prices would be falling dramatically. In shares would be falling dramatically because in 10 years' time, you, you could literally start to put money into bonds and get a 10% yield if that's what they were doing, 10%. Mm. But mm. what they're saying is that, no, the, the market expectations are not that interest rates are going to keep rising. Well, at the moment, they've come back. Now, we need to wait and see a little bit over the next, you know, three, four, five, six months and see how this yield curve sorts itself out. But ultimately what this, what the interest rate markets and the, the markets that are not set or influenced, the markets that are determined by market forces, which is just the economy rolling on, uh, are saying that, <clears throat> that at the moment interest rates are coming back down and that cash rate is looking at around about in 10 years' time Let's say three and a half percent. So, if we if we just for a moment accept that this is potentially true, oh, I know I've got so much more. We'll just say let's let's accept that this is maybe true. Uh, how would you as a as a share investor or how would you as a property investor start to think differently about the future? Would you start going, oh, the world is ending, we've got to sell? Or would you start to go, okay, there's potential opportunities in there. There's, you know, rent rises. There's share markets operate very, very quickly based on this sort of information. They overreact as well and they provide incredible opportunities to get back in. 
But if all of a sudden we're going, well, the market is is believing in 10 years' time the interest rate's going to be, you know, 3.5%. Not 10, not 20, not 18, not what it was back in the, you know, the, the days the of Whitlam. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's expecting that it will normalise to some sort of reasonable um, effect. So how would you invest now? And I think that's what people need to be asking themselves. Okay, interest rates are rising. Yes, they are. And yes, they will. And it likely, you know, it'll be in and around that sort of 3% cash rate, which would translate, one would think, to around about a 5% mortgage rate or somewhere in around there. Now, whether it's 6 it's or 7 or whatever. It's usually a 2 to 3% margin yep. on top. Yep. So how do you position yourself now for that? And, uh, and this is how we price shares because we look at the 10-year forecast because when we're buying shares, we're not buying shares for 90 days. The fact that you can buy and sell them in 30 seconds doesn't mean that you value them in 30-second inter- increments. You value mm. them based off 10 years. And if 10 years is saying you can lock money at 3.5% for 10 years, well, I'm going to want two and a half to three times that potential return from a company in order to invest in that for 10 years. So if it's three, I want to see a three, six, nine, I want to see a 9% annualized return for that stock. And that's how we price stocks. That's how we price them. Uh, and that's how commercial real estate is priced. And I would rate. mention yeah. say that, that it's pretty close to how uh, normal property prices in residential would be priced over time. Not that that's my game, that's yours, but that's my belief. Yeah, Resi, Resi has a, an emotional behaviour um, to real estate that that breaks that bond to the yield, um, especially if the real estate is located in places where owner-occupiers will make emotional decisions um, and it's not based on a rental return. So that's where the value game in residential has this kind of like it's a it's actually got a two-edged sword to it um and um you know if you can if you can walk that thin line well you can actually play the best of both worlds andy so and and folks listening in commercial absolutely if you have to borrow if your money is going to cost you more then and your return is eroded your value is eroded end of damn story however in the world of residential um if your money is going to cost you more but your location of your real estate is in a place where they're not building them anymore or it's 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 really in demand the value disconnects from its ability to turn to to create a yield because it's desired by an owner occupier and we all know folks I, i've been guilty i'm sure andy has too of something you fall in love with you pay more than you should for um because you want to bloody live there and bring your kids up and it's the school zone and all this other stuff that has nothing to do with an income, nothing to do with future value, nothing to choice. do with a tax return. <laughs> yeah, and and but and and this is what I say to a lot of a lot of my clients, and and they go, Andy, should we do this or should we do that? And you go, that's the only question I'm not going to answer because that's yeah. that's lifestyle. That's not investing. That's, that's investing yeah. in your life, right? Yeah. And and it's kind of, but I can't determine the value of that and and i know it you know as as much as you do as much as the next person you know uh, is because i want to live where i want to live for the little bub coming a long way and 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 
So there are certain sacrifices I'll make from an investment perspective in order to do that, and that's a personal decision Uh, because otherwise, if it was all about investing all the time, you'd probably never own a principal place of precedent unless you were a a builder. No. Well, you and I know there's a few good reasons to own one, PPR upgrade, capital gains tax-free. We talk Mm -hmm. to people about that strategy all the time. Folks, if you don't have a few strategies going on, you need to reach out to me and Andy. I know most of you. I've seen in the chat tonight, uh, part of our program and our coaching. But if you are not, you need to be because um, there's four or five strategies you need to have in play at all times. 100%. We did have a couple of questions, and when, Andy. And, and when the world is shitting itself, that's <laughs> where all of the opportunity sits. 100%. Now, and I'm not saying it's right now, but when people are cacking themselves and building bunkers, when that sort of stuff's happening, go, oh, that's interesting. And then start to look for what is the reality and, and don't follow the herd. Listen to the herd from the perspective of going, oh, that's interesting. That's where the herd's going. Uh, but now is going to be a very, very interesting period of time where people are going to make some very interesting decisions. And uh, uh, hopefully, you know, don't buy the bunker. If you have to buy the bunker, the reality is, Jace, that we're all pretty much fucked. <laughs> so well, we'll well, be I, in the bunker together. <laughs> well, I don't. I say don't buy the bunker. Buy some land. Here's a little story, folks. Here's a good. It's an interesting story. I, I didn't get a chance to tell you this one, Andy. Um, uh, me and a few people uh, bought a property, a developable property, uh, six months ago for three million dollars. Um, and uh, we just got our valuation back today, folks. In the middle of interest rate rises. In the middle of it all, in the middle of the world ending, tell me, uh, we can get 38 townhouses on this piece of land. Andy, we've got it approved. Tell me, folks, has our value gone down? In the middle of the world ending, got our valuation back today. Um, what do you reckon? Give us a guess at what we uh, what our valuation came in at today. Three million we bought it for. Well, mate, I'm, I'm going to throw a couple over the fence at you because <laughs> I've, I've just uh, been a part of a few uh, deals that um, have have been quite staggering, and well, look, I'm going to say, look, look uh, at Jeanette, look at Jeanette, nail it. Could work, Jeanette. It came back at four point four, so pretty close. Jeez, Bob, I'd lo- I'd shit, Bob. I'd, I think I want you to be my valuer. <laughs> well, Matt, I've got one at the moment that's eight that's been valued at eight. Uh, it yeah. came back at 4.5. What did I say for Jeanette? Yeah, 4.5. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 4.5, Jeanette, you nailed it. Have you been looking at my text messages, Jeanette? <laughs> <laughs> so, so how's this one? Uh, now, this is an outlier. And, uh, and this yes, is a real, it is Albany Creek. You're in there. Nice work, there. live scenario. Uh, 8.6. 8.6. Commercially valued, 8.6. Uh, what, do you, what do you reckon the value is, uh, Literally, buyer right now. I need some more info, Andy. Commercial uh, property. Commercial, <laughs> I can't give you any more. I can't give you any more. Uh, but in the middle of interest rate rises, 15, yeah. 8.6 was the val, 15 was the offer, 20 is the ask, is the is where it will be sold. Wow. Must be some upside, some other upside there in there that's hidden. Well, and, and there is. So the, the, this is... You know, when you, but this property has been held for 15 years. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's been a dog for 15 years, Jason. <laughs> it's well, been a bit, It dog. changes overnight. And and imagine if you'd sold that like three years ago for you know maybe a couple of hundred thousand dollars more than what you bought it for. Um, every single property, folks, listen to me, every single property in, in Australian history, if you own it for 30 years, has five to six times where there's something weird that happens that affects the price for some weird reason in a short period of time. And so many people, Andy, like bug out. And, and it's the same for the share market too, I'm sure. You know, you know, you own shares faster yeah. and people yeah. freak out because the movements, like the reality is, Jace, I reckon that in the depths of different markets, if people could sell properties and transact them as fast as what they can shares, I reckon you'd see the same volatility. I, I reckon you would. That, that, yeah, that's why I'm thankful that you can't. But well, mate, our top two performing funds, uh, one's a private equity. Oh, they're not the best performing funds, but, geez, they're bloody consistent. Uh, two of them, they, they cap redemptions. They mean when the market shits themselves, you can't take your money out. Mate, that's the way and it be. it's built yeah. in. And it's built into the constitution of the investment. And even I had the itch to sell some of it because some <laughs> of it was in the commercial property space, uh, in office space, in CBDs. It went up by 24% during the middle of COVID when people were getting out of leases left, right and centre. So the ability for people to sometimes stop you from doing stupid shit when you're emotional means that these three funds... All of them, I had people have redemption requests on them. They wanted to build the bunker. They wanted to get out. They wanted to just jump ship. Um, 12% annualized over 10 years every single year. Uh, 21% in the last 12 months and uh, 11.5% over 10 years per annum. And and 10% annualized and it and it did an 11 and a half and they 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 stopped you from being able to redeem the funds so that they can hold the investments through volatile times but in the share market in the stock market that doesn't happen you want to sell bhp you can sell it like that it's out and, yeah well that, it's it's re- it's reflective of the noise and the fear really not the foundation really isn't it and that's where i mean Andy, that's what you say that's where opportunity lies sometimes you know in, in buying Absolutely. I've got a, a number of clients that have recently, and, and, I, and I love it when this happens, they, they've been emailing and ringing up and going, should I put more in the market? Just completely shit itself. And I'm like, that's such a great way of thinking. Good question. Yeah. It's such in. a great way of thinking because it's yeah. like whenever the people are freaking out, you're going, okay, where's the opportunity? Where's the opportunity? Well, there was a couple of questions. I did want to get around to answering one of them. Uh, I think, uh, before maybe we call it call it done and dusted, Andy. Because we haven't done this for a fair few weeks, folks. Um, I reckon I could sit here for another bloody two hours with you, brother. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Lindsay, to build or not to build? Good question. Mm. Um, certainly depends on where you are right now. And I did a little wealth coffee chat this morning on this one, Andy. But uh, right now we are seeing. Uh, let me quickly share my screen here, and I'm going to uh, 
Um, hopefully, uh, yep, turn that on. There we go. Um, let's put us uh, there. We go. So check this out. That I, and I did a bit of a wealth coffee chat on this one this morning. Lindy says, hey, to build or not to build? Good question. We have had a significant, a significant increase in the number of individual houses being built, folks, right? the number of individual houses being built, and not an increase in residential underlying medium density projects, ladies and gents. Um um, as you go. Oh, hey, Zara. Good to see you. Good to see Maddie Marie. <laughs> Magic Marie, Money Penny in the house. Great to see you guys. Thanks for joining. Uh, Fenton just ran off because uh, I don't know what he's doing. But anyway, I'll continue the show. But we have seen a significant uh, increase in one off standalone houses. Okay. We've, we've seen that. Now, that is traveling through the marketplace, Andy. So this started, the peak of that was middle of sort of 20, well, end of 2020, early 2021, okay? This supply is owner-occupiers owner only, folks, owner-occupiers only. It's what I call fake supply to the residential rental market. It's fake supply. It's taking... One person out of a out of a share home that four people were in, and one person now gets to live in their own home. It's it's not making a dent in the marketplace, and um, we're seeing the tail, the tail of that approval, um, and and construction start uh, occur right now. So Andy, and to answer Lindsay's question, to build or not to build. Right now, Lindsay, if you if you could delay it another six months, I would because oh, my call right now is in six months' time, you're going to see tradies sh- shopping around for work yep. in, in this space, Andy, in this space, this residential one-off real estate space. Over over three story construction, so you know high rises and stuff like that. That that has been like very little affected for for tradies, but it's been affected for materials. Okay, so because tradies have to specialize in that type of construction, um, and you need special licenses and stuff like that. So. Kind of, I'm not answering it perfectly, Lindsay. But if you're if you're building something residential, I'd sort of kick it down the road for six months, uh, if you could, right now. And I reckon you'll get a better price a bit later on, or you might not necessarily get a better price, but it'll get built in 16 weeks, not, um, you know, 52 weeks. And it goes down to contract terms as well. Is that yeah. no, no builders don't know where to put their contracts at the moment. They don't know. Um, they don't know mo- mostly because realistically, the prices in them, well, they can blow it out their ass now uh, yeah. because there's been so much variation in supply chains and and the cost of materials behind the scenes, which has got nothing to do with the builders. Let's face it. Uh, <clears throat> but also, then labour force. Uh, supply chain, a lot of this needs to normalise before you're going to be able to see through it clearly. Yeah. So 
there's the potential that you'll be able to 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 nut it sweet and really you know uh, have incredible results. But that that's going to be, I think, the it's not going to be the norm because here's here's the reality is that um, things are still more expensive uh, in order to get here. You know, timber is still in shortages and and labour we're still getting our way around it. Yep. And there's comments coming through that labour is the main issue. <clears throat> But the reason the reason why a lot of construction is getting so difficult to price is because the the supply chain is starting to normalize, right? But it's not necessarily come back down, and so the cost of materials has now stabilized. But when when and if there is a chance that supply chains normalize, whether there is more material than is needed, that's the only thing that's then going to push the construction cost down from a materials perspective. Yeah, and we're only going to see that as supply chains start to normalise a little bit more, and and we're seeing that. And if we go back to the the ten year government bond yields and the five year government bond yields, that is a predictive measure that this transitory supply chain issues are going to start to work their way through the system. Yeah, and we're seeing right now like this construction issue working its way through the system. Yep, and unfortunately, like you know, everyone thinking that um, there'll be constraints on supply of land for the foreseeable future. Well, that is true. There's going to be constraints on land, Andy. There's not going to be 100,000 houses to build this year, folks. Right now, like those builders who are building 100,000 houses from a year and a half ago, there's 35,000 houses, Andy, right now in approval. So the 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 labor shortage will in certain circumstances work out a little bit. The supply chain stuff, well, you know, that has to flow through. There's plenty of other things that have got that uh, have got to work out. But if if Lindsay's saying, "Hey, listen, should I build now?" I would say, "Lindsay, kick it down the road a little bit. You don't have to wait too long because I think you'll get a little bit sharper and a little bit clearer in under six months' time, personally. Um, but for those who are building right now, the, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm building right now, folks. Like, I, I'm building a frigging, you know, six bedroom mansion up in bloody Brisbane for someone to live in right now. Uh, that price has gone up $76,000 for me. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm in, I'm in, I'm like, I can't stop. Um, uh, you know, I've got plenty of upside. I'm, I'm not complaining about the marketplace. Well, they're, they're, they're bumps in the road, and I think that the thing the is road. that you do yep. need a long-term vision. And if if you if you're of the mind that the world is over and we need to build bunkers, well, just don't fucking invest. Just pull the plug, get out. It, it's going to cause you too much stress. Hundred percent. Yeah. If you're a proper investor, which is going, I'm buying for the next 10, 15, 20 years in order to build wealth. Well this stuff actually just becomes noise in the background and, uh, you know, disciplined ways of going about investing in business. And, and probably this, probably the best way to look at it is to, to ask you the question back, Lindsay, you you know, given where you sit and what costs you have in the business right now uh, and the, the, the amount of labor that you have right now, would you choose to take on that sort of growth project within the business right now? Mm. Uh, and if the answer is yes, then it's probably going to be because you've got a long-term outlook that says that, you know, the, the benefit is going to be there. And 
So the answer may well, like if, if it's pure economic, could you do it better in the future? Then you, you possibly could. But if there's other opportunities around for you right now that mean that in 10 or 15 years, it's going to be irrelevant, irrelevant. Yep. Then, then maybe the answer is, is build. Yeah. Um, it, it, it really just depends on what your time frame, what your outlook is. Well, and, and that's part of, you know, what we have done with our project. You know, a few people have been in, involved in just recently, the townhouses up in Brisbane. We've extended that, you know, almost nine months from when we, when we were initially going to kick it off. And we're already seeing for the first time in over 18 months, Andy, uh, the cost of concrete, so putting a slab down on a house. So this is kind of the first thing that happens on a house actually come back 5%, right? So, boom, you know. I'm about um, to put down a slab, Jason. Mate, and so we've, we've already got from some of our builders, three builders have already told us they're getting callbacks from concreters for the first time in 18 months. <laughs> hey, you got, to, you got any work on, you know. So these are the kind of the early signs of, hey, within the next 6 to 12 months, that labour shortage because of that, that, that stimulatory free money given away across the country will be gone, folks. That, that'll that be gone and we'll be back to what's called the market normal delivery mm. and are we in an excess of things to be built like one-off freestanding houses and the answer is no. We're in a disastrous low, Andy, and then labour will need to work out what it does with that, right? And I think the cost of labour will come down a little bit. Materials, I don't know, I don't think materials will change that fast. But, um, yep, yep. Um, <laughs> Bob's saying, I haven't had a plumber get back to me after one year. I'm trying to get a small job done. <laughs> that's been the same for about the last 20 years, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> but there you go. That's that's what's coming through, you know, folks. That's That's where we... I mean, shit, I've got another 20 things to talk about, folks. We're running out of time tonight, but we'll have to do version two of this one, um, you know, as we as we kick back off, um, um, folks, as, as we go. So, Andy, I think we'll, we'll put a pin in it, brother. Wealth Coffee Chat, no. Wealth Wine and Wisdom, done. I better, I better put some more wine in my glass, actually. Right, you, you'd better. Uh, so just remember, folks, uh, I'm doing Jason's part here. It's, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> Mate, um, good to see you, well, mate. Good to see you, brother. Um, good to have uh, have you and the rest of these fine folks on for a another um, wealth, wine, and wisdom, and um, best content yet. Thanks, Jeanette. Love it. All right. Well, it's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> good to see us back. Well, thanks, folks. Appreciate you guys joining us. Um, we will be consistent now from here on in we do have some gears to change coming soon folks mm. we've got a couple of exciting things andy and i are launching a series in wealth wanting wine and wisdom called the exit plan and um it's going to be focused on business owners but not excluding others we've got some uh cool things that we've been developing in the background but certainly it'll it'll include um anyone who's interested in investing but um Stay tuned to that one. In the next couple of months, we're launching that series as well. So, um, mate, great to see you. Good to hang out with you. Thanks, folks, for joining us. And, um, well, I think it's a good night from him. And it's a good night from me. 
Good night, night everyone. <laughs> Cheers, folks. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.